um, actually, it's before I was ever pastoring, I was at I was at uh, Forest Grove. I was at Gideon's Church, and uh, I, I preached a message on the heart of Abigail. I'll never forget that. But she's always been um, one of those in the Bible that we don't talk enough about. I know when we did the Bible study here on Wednesday nights and was talking about the different women of the Bible. She wasn't in there, and I never understood how Abigail could not be in as because as, she should have been top uh, of the, the study, but she wasn't even part of it. But uh, I love that, that uh, the lesson this morning is really good. If you have your Bibles, turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And this is a, it's one of those... Uh, it's one of those sermons that came from Jesus uh, at the, as part of the Beatitudes, and one of the things that, or his Sermon on the Mount, and it talks about where we store our treasure, where we lay up our treasures, and we don't, there's different ways to look at this, and we're going to put a different spin on it today, but one of the things that, that as I was studying this week about this, uh, I read a story, and again, this is only a story, all right, this is fictional, but it kind of helped set the, the tone for today's message. And it's about a lady who, who um, very wealthy, very, very wealthy lady. And she had, uh, she passed away, and uh, she was a believer. She went to heaven, and uh, God escorted her into heaven, and escorted her through the gates and took her to her house. And this is the plain Jane house, nothing fancy, nothing, nothing spectacular for somebody that was wealthy here on earth. And she got a little mad, and she asked the God, she said, why am I in this house? And, and whose house is that across the road? Because it's really nice. It's a mansion. It looks really good. And the God told her, said, that belongs to your gardener. And she said, well, I'm the one that had all the money. I paid him to do all my work. And the God said this. He said, the houses here are prepared from the materials that are sent up. Now, remember, this is all fictional. They're sent, uh, are built by the materials sent up. We do not choose them. You do that by your faithfulness on earth. Again, it's fictional. Nothing about that is true. But it makes you think, where are you laying up your treasures? Where are you laying up the things of heaven? Where are you putting things of earth? Where do we put these treasures that we're gaining? Where are your thoughts this morning? What do you think about when you get up in the morning? What do I think about? How quick can I get across the yard, or across the yard, how quick can I get across the house to make my coffee? That's what I think about. How quickly can I get dressed? Am I the one taking Clayton to the babysitter this morning, or will it be Maria? We have that discussion about every morning. Who's doing what? My mind is going a million different ways every morning, trying to figure out what to do, where we're going, who's going to do it, how we're going to get there, what's coming up after that. Of course, you got to figure out what's for lunch before I even leave the house. i got priorities. But we have all these things going on in our minds. Where is your mind in the morning? Is it where it needs to be? When you get up in the morning before your feet hit the ground, is your mind on heaven? Where's your mind at? Are you thinking about the things of heaven? Are you thinking about God's grace and mercy this morning because it's new? Are you thinking about that? Are you thinking about uh, the, the night's rest that you had because God gave you a peace that night so that you could lay your head on your pillow and have a good night's rest? Where is your mind? Where are your thoughts in the mornings? Is our heart focused on earth or focused on heaven? So the concern when Jesus was, was preaching this, the concern 
in these verses we're about, that we're about to read is on material things. That's his concern. Jesus had a big concern. I have a big concern. You should all have a big concern about material things, things of earth. He wanted to make sure that what we have here on earth does not, uh, does not affect our minds, our hearts, our thoughts, the, our personalities. He does not want materialistic things getting in the way of heavenly things. He wants our hearts and our minds to be focused on him, godly things, heavenly things. And according to the Bible here, the reason is pretty easy to understand. Nothing on this earth is secure. Nothing on this earth is lasting. If you can find it, I'd like to see it. All the things that are on this earth, they will decay. They will go away. They'll rust, they'll mold, they'll deteriorate, they decay, they will go away. So Jesus was concerned. That's his concern right there was the fact that we put our minds, our hearts on things of this earth, and the things of this earth will let us down. They'll go away. But the things of heaven, the things that are godly, are everlasting, last forever. What Jesus wants uh, from us this morning, and, and he wants us to center our lives around him and heaven, we know that. Because in him, we know that there is life and there is security. There's life everlasting, and we have security, which means we can't lose that. We cannot lose that. So to help us see this, he, he's going to give us a couple of lessons this morning about wealth and materialism. If you got your Bible, stand with me just, just for a few minutes here. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew 6, 19. The Bible says, Lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also the light of the body is the eye if therefore thine eye be single thy whole body shall be full of light but if thine eye be evil Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. This is important. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning again we thank you so much. As we just mentioned we thank you for grace and love and mercy as we always should and we always do. But Lord, I pray that's the first thing on our hearts when we wake up in the morning. We thank you for that new grace, that new mercy every single morning when we get up. Lord, we thank you for the roofs over our heads and the food on our plates and in our refrigerators for all the things that you have blessed us with. God, we can't thank you enough. And I pray that as we roll out of bed in the morning, that would be the first thing on our hearts is having a thankful heart. Before our feet hit the ground, God, we thank you for all that, you've, that you have done for us, and thank you for what you're going to do for us. And Lord, I pray that we take this message and remember, things here on earth decay, things here in this earth, they will fade away, they will wash away, they will be destroyed, but the things of heaven cannot. Lord, we know, we know in our hearts that through salvation we are secure. We know in our hearts that through salvation we have this life everlasting. And we cannot have that taken away from us. And Father, this morning we thank you for that. 
And I pray, Father, this morning as we go into this message, if there be one here that's, that's struggling with something in their heart, on their mind, that they'd find peace and comfort in your word and knowing that you're there with them through the struggles, you're there with them through the valleys, and you'll get them through this. And we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it. We thank you. We love you this morning. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Where are your treasures? There's, first thing we're going to look at, a difference between two kinds of riches. Now, we talk about riches, but there's two different kinds of riches that Jesus is talking about in this message this morning. There are earthly riches and there are heavenly riches. There's two, earthly, heavenly. Things like clothes. Now, talking about earthly, you have things like clothes or shoes. Remember that. Those are earthly. All those shoes are earthly. Jewelry, cars, toys, toys, believe it or not, that's earthly. Houses, fame, power, money, things like that. Pretty much anything that dominates a person's life here in this life here, it ties us down to, to earthly things. It ties us down to this earth. Remember, we're, we're not of here anymore. Once we've been saved, the things of this earth don't matter to us and should not matter to us. The things of this earth are corruptible. And we'll go away. The things of this earth didn't really do anything for us. I don't want to jump the gun talking about heavenly things, but that's where we put our treasures. That's where we, we put things up. Jesus says three things about earthly riches. That are, they're very important for us to remember. All right, the very first thing he tells us is don't, stop, or don't store up earthly riches for yourselves. Don't store them up. All right, so... Nat, all those jars you have buried in your backyard, you get rid of them. You don't need them anymore. You don't have to store them up. Okay. <laughs> Our lives are not to be focused on earthly things. Don't set your eyes and your mind and your energy and your effort on trying to gain earthly riches. It's a waste of time. How many of us have tried over the years to to work our way up the ladder of success, and we just keep falling. We have put so much focus on trying to make another dollar or try to get a better name for ourselves. We've, we put so much time and effort in, in trying to be the bigwig of whatever you're doing that we have deprived our families, ourselves, our churches, our homes. Our, uh, we've just deprived everything because our eye is on earthly things. Don't worry about earthly things. Earthly things will let you down. Secondly, earthly riches are, are corruptible and destroyed. Something terrible happens to everything on, us, on this earth. Something terrible always happens. You might have a car that you love, for, and you keep that thing for a long, long time, but at some point, it's going to break down. At some point, the motor's going to give out. At some point, the frame is going to rust. At some point, it is going to fall apart. Same with homes. You might have a home that you really, really love. But maybe it was a hand-me-down home. Maybe it was your great-grandparents' home or something like that, and it's very sentimental to you and the family. But at some point, that home is probably going to decay and fall away. That's what earthly things do. They decay. They fall away. If you walk through a junkyard, and I had to do this several times trying to find a happy bumper. I went through junkyards looking for a bumper for a Subaru Legacy. And when you walk through a junkyard, what do you see? You see somebody's once prized possession. That's what you see. You see rusted, 
hunks of metal just laying around out there. At some point, that was a brand new car that Jonathan probably owned. <laughs> I ain't never seen anybody trade like that, man. Trades. But there was, there's cars all over the place. At some point, somebody went into a dealership, signed a bunch of paperwork, done the bank transfer, got a title. That thing might have had two or three or maybe even 100 miles on it, and they drove it till the wheels fell off, and now it's sitting in a, in a junkyard. That's what happens to earthly things. They fall apart. They're going to decay. They're going to rust. They're going to, they're going to go away. Third thing, earthly riches are insecure. Now again, this is what Jesus is telling us. Earthly riches are insecure. The things on earth are insecure for three reasons. They can be stolen, they don't last, and they waste away. They can be stolen, they, they won't last, and they'll waste away. What is, the Bible don't tell us this, but in, in a roundabout way it does. You can't take it with you when you go. Things of this earth you cannot take with you when you go. There's a, a song that I absolutely love, but it's, it's, it's kind of like a story I told you earlier. It's, about, it's fictional. But uh, Donna Ulysses sings it, and I love it, but it's talking about her grandma's Bible. And that when she died, that they put it in the casket with her so that she could have it with her in heaven. When you listen to the song, it's a beautiful song. But we know she ain't taking that Bible with her. She ain't taking those clothes with her. She ain't taking nothing with her. The jewelry or whatever she's got on her, when they close that casket and they drop her down in that hole... None of that stuff goes with her. It's earthly. What is, what's here on earth that can't be in heaven? Sin. Sin. Everything here on earth pretty much is just sinful. And nothing here on earth deserves to be in heaven. Nothing. Not even us. We don't even deserve to be there. Old, dirty, filthy rags of sinners like us, we don't deserve to be there. But God's grace, through faith... He has saved us, and we have that opportunity. We have a home in heaven because of what Jesus done for us on the cross. But these are things in heaven that we should desire as believers, these, these, uh, these riches, heavenly riches that are up there. Heavenly riches are, are becoming a child of God and living a blameless life. That's, a he that's heavenly riches. That's the second thing we're talking about. We talk about earthly riches. Now talk about heavenly riches. Becoming a child of the king, that's something that we should strive for. And, and, and living a, as blameless a life as possible, that's what we should strive for. Now, can we do it 100%? No, we're going to fail. There's too much, we're too carnally minded. There's too much human in us for us to live a blameless life. But can we try? Absolutely. What's the word Christian mean? Christ-like. We are to strive to be Christ-like. As believers, we need to be as close, try to be as Christ-like as possible, as blameless as possible, as godly as possible. We are to strive and try to be that as, as best that we can. Jesus says two things about heavenly riches that are important for us to understand. They are incorruptible and secure. Incorruptible and secure. What are things of earth? Corruptible and insecure. What are things of heaven? incorruptible and secure total opposite things on earth will decay rot away things of heaven will not they are everlasting us our earthly bodies what happens when we go in the ground at some point 
we will decay. We'll turn into, well, our flesh will go away, but then our bones will deteriorate and go away. There's nothing left. As Jim Varney said one time, <laughs> he said, nothing there but worm food. That's it. Groundhogs will be bringing you mail. Nothing's left. But in heaven, that's another story. That's a whole other story. What we have is incorruptible. That soul that we have is incorruptible. These, the bodies that we will have are incorruptible. They will not age. They will not deteriorate. We don't have to worry about cancer or heart disease or baldness or blindness. We don't have to worry about that stuff. Because when we get there, it is incorruptible. We don't have to worry about it ever again. And Jesus commands us to store up heavenly riches. That's a command from Jesus. Number two, there's a warning about two kinds of hearts. If you look over at verse 21 again, it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus warns us right here about two kinds of hearts, the good heart and the bad heart. Good heart and a bad heart. What kind of heart do you have? And I'm not talking about your physical heart at all. Don't worry about that. The good heart, the Bible says, is like a good eye. And the eyes are like a gateway to the mind. Let's think about it this way. What we look at is what we think about. What we look at is what we think about. And I'm not talking about a passing glance. I'm talking about things that we're locked onto, things that we're staring at. That's what we think about, ain't it? When, when you drive by a nice house and you stare at it, what are you thinking? What do you think about I'd like to have that. I could see myself in that. Same with a vehicle. You drive by and you see a really nice car, and you look at it. You don't just glance at it and say, it's pretty. You stare at it, and that's all you think about. I want that. I could see me in that. I could drive that. I believe I'd look good in that. That's what we think. What we look at is what we think about. If your focus is on the light of the world, Jesus, all right, that's, that should be your focus. Then your heart will be full of light. If your eyes are set on Jesus, if you are focused on Jesus, that is where your heart will be, full of light, full of goodness, full of love, full of joy, full of happiness. But you've got to keep your eyes on him if you want to receive that light. Where your heart is, where you're longing for, is where your treasure will be. What are you longing for this morning? There's times in our lives where we probably, we just sit down and all we can think about is going home. I'm not talking about your physical home. I'm talking about going home home. There's things happen in your life and you just don't want to be here no more. I'd just rather be home. That's what I think about a lot. Just going on home. That's where my mind is. That's where my eyes are fixed. That's where my heart is right now. It's home. I don't want to be here anymore. I can't handle much more suffering. 
I'm ready to go. I don't say about 100% of y'all are the same way. I'm just ready to go. I hope you're ready to go. I just want to go home. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the heat and the humidity. It messes my hair up. I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of it. I just want to be home with my Jesus. That's where my eyes are. That's where I'm focused. That's where my heart is. I'd say every one of us are in the same boat. We just want to go. I'm ready to see loved ones that's gone on. I'm ready to see that. I'm ready to experience that. I'm ready to be in the presence of Jesus. I can't wait. I'm ready to praise him and worship him for eternity. That's where my heart is. That's where my heart should be. That's where your heart should be. When you look at something, you think about it a lot. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That way, that's where your heart will be, and that's what you'll think about. And this should be the heart of the believer, by the way. That should be the heart of every single believer, eyes focused on Jesus. A healthy heart is like a good eye. It understands what a true treasure is. Putting all this together, and all I think about is me and James. Both I was blind, half blind. A good eye and a bad eye. We got, <laughs> we got both of them. Now the bad eye, or the bad heart, just like a bad eye. A bad eye is not able to focus on the treasure of heaven or, or on things of God. It can't see, can't focus on it. A bad eye is blind, and, and it's, it, it can, it, it's, it's, it's blind to the light, and all it can actually see is darkness. So it is with the heart. Same thing. Blind eye sees darkness, and that's what your heart sees and experiences is darkness. A heart that does not focus on spiritual things is blind and is in the darkness. And this is, this is the typical heart of the, the lost person. Jesus said right here, he said, If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. And that's, if you really read that, that's flat out scary. That darkness, now I'm going to point at my right eye because that's my blind eye, but that darkness that he's talking about is scary because that's hell. That's Satan. That's the devil right there. That's, a, that's an eternity in hell. There's no good in that darkness. All good comes from light, and Jesus we know is the light. So the devil is that darkness, and having a mind and a heart and an eye that is focused on darkness, that's all it sees, that's all it's going to experience. And you might as well start thinking about torment and gnashing of teeth and brimstone and wailing. All those things that we're, we know of that the Bible talks about being in hell, that's what your focus pretty much is. It's not on anything heavenly. It's not on anything upwardly. It's all things that are down below. It's hell. And there's no good that comes out of hell. There's no good that comes out of darkness. Only good comes out of the light. The light is who you are following, and there are only two lights. Either the light of the world, which is Jesus, or the light of darkness, which is, remember this, it's a false light. It's a false light. It's not real. It's not a real light. It's of Satan. God says you're either with him or you're against him. There's no middle ground. You're either for him or against him, but there's no... Riding the fence on this one. Remember that. And the third thing, and the last point, y'all might can get out of here a little bit early, beat the Methodist to the Mexican restaurant. 
You have a choice. You have a choice. Now remember this last part right here, verse 24. Which master are you going to choose? 24 says this, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Here it is. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot. I read a story, and this is a true story, and I love Civil War stuff. And I was reading a story about a, a man in Tennessee. He owned a cotton field. Civil War had broke out, and uh, he didn't know which side to, to support. He said, I got friends on both sides. I don't know who to support. So he decided that he would wear a gray coat and blue pants. Gray coat and blue pants. So he's going to support both sides. So there was a, a little skirmish taking place there uh, between two, the two armies, at his house and the field there, and he, he went out and he, he stood up and he yelled. Top of his lungs, he yelled out, and he said, that, I'm neutral. I'm neutral. Please let me leave. I'm not fighting for either side. Well, when he stood up and yelled that, the Union sharpshooters seen his gray coat and took him out. And as they were firing, the Confederate marksmen seen his blue pants, and they shot as well. Does that make sense? You can't take a side like that. You can't, or you have to take a side. You can't support both. The point of that story right there is you can't serve two masters. A choice has to be made, either serve God or serve mammon. That's what he's telling us. You have to make a choice. You have to make the choice. See, that, that's the thing about free will. It's up to you. God's not forcing you to pick a side. He would not do that. He's leaving it up to you. Do you love him or not? If you love him, you've picked his side. You've asked his son, Jesus Christ, into your heart, and you're on his side. You're on God's team now. But if you have not picked him and you have rejected him, then you're on the other team which is Satan's team, then you get eternity in hell with him. We have to choose one. If you try to serve both, when one calls you, you'll have to, to leave one to serve the other. That's what the verse is telling us. You can't do that. You can't play for both teams. Try it and see what happens. Now, I said that, and one of my, my favorite little football clips I love to watch was when the Pro Bowl was in Hawaii, and it was back when Peyton Manning was retiring out and Jeff Saturday, which was his center, was playing as well, and they were on opposite teams. Do you remember this, where they brought Saturday in and he played for the other team to give Peyton Manning his last snap? And I'm thinking, I'm watching that. I'm thinking, that don't work like that. You can't play for both teams. Now, it is the Pro Bowl, so it really don't matter. Nobody cares. They don't care. But it looked good. You know, it just looked good. It don't look good when you try to serve two masters. It don't look good when on Sundays you're serving the Lord and on Mondays you're serving the devil. You can't do that. You can't switch teams whenever you feel it is appropriate. You're not going to switch teams Saturday evening and say, well, i got to get to church tomorrow. I'm going to go ahead and, and put on my, my church hat and get ready for that one, and I'll put on the other hat, earthly hat, on Monday after we're done. 
don't work like that. You pick one and you stick with it. When you pick Jesus, you have Jesus and you have him for eternity. You're not going to lose it. You don't have to worry about the devil taking that away. Ever taking that away. And because I love this verse, I'm going to read it again. It never gets old. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There ain't a thing in this world. There's not an earthly thing. There is not a demonic thing of hell that it can ever take away our salvation. There is nothing that will separate us from the love of God. When we accept Jesus into our heart and we truly accept him into our heart, make him Lord and Savior, there ain't a thing the devil can do, there ain't a thing that man can do to take that away from us. Now what can the devil do? He can make you doubt. That's the number one tool he's got is doubt. He can make you doubt your, your salvation, but he can't take it away from you. If I was to say right now how many of us have ever doubted our salvation, I guarantee you every person in here would raise their hand. There is a time in your life when the devil will make you doubt that you were saved. It happens. I promise you that. It happens. Everyone, I don't care if you're a preacher, a deacon, just a church member, you will experience doubt at least once in your Christian life. That's what the devil does. But every time that he throws that back in your face, you just remember what I read in Romans 8, 38 and 39. Ain't nothing taking that away from you. I wish I could sit up here and beg and plead with you to make sure that you take Jesus' side. Beg and plead with you just to go to Jesus' side. Take his side. Ask him in your heart. I wish I could sit up here and just tell you to do it, but I can't. I can encourage it, but I have to leave that up to you. God has left that up to you. Jesus has left that up to you. It is up to you to make that decision. Which which one do you want to serve, God or mammon? You have to cleave to one, which means you have to despise the other. Now, there are only two treasures. The earth and its treasures are God and its treasures and his treasures. You have earthly treasures. You have heavenly treasures. There are material things, and there are spiritual things. There's the two. They look good, don't they? Even earthly things, they look nice and shiny. Those nice vehicles or that, that rays or those houses or the things that are out there in front of you on earth, they look great. So we, we, we don't know what the things of heaven look like. John tried to tell us a little bit, but not we didn't get much out of him. We don't know. We, we know about jasper walls and pearly gates and golden streets. We know about mansions. We know that Jesus is going to be there. There's going to be a big old marriage supper table. There's going to be set up there for us. We know some things, but we've never seen it. I have not seen, ear had not heard any of this. We don't know. We don't know what it's going to look like. But by faith, we have accepted Jesus and what he will give us and what he's going to provide for us through salvation, eternal life, a heavenly home.
That's it. That's it. So these earthly things, a lot of it, most of it, the devil uses as his tool. And he's just trying to draw us in. He's trying to promote earthly things. He's wanting to take your eyes off of God's light and put it on his light, which is false light, which is darkness. That's what he does. He's trying to, to fool us. Every person, without exception, has committed themselves to one of the two treasures, one of the two masters, mammon or God, earthly or heavenly. Slim look at, at wealth as being of God and a, a sign that they are godly. But listen to what the Bible says and says it differently. Over in 1 Timothy 6, 5, it says, Preserve disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. Huh, who'd have thought? But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall in temptation and a snare and into any foolishness or foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and uh, perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have eared from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. There it is. He just laid it out there for you. Paul wrote that to Timothy. And he's telling us what to keep our eyes focused on. I love that. That last part says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Flee the earthly things. Flee away from the things that are of darkness. Flee away from money. Flee away from houses. Flee away from the cars. Now, they didn't have cars back then. They had Hondas, but we won't talk about that. Flee away from all these things that are earthly. Flee, get away, stay away. Don't look at it. Just get away. But then he follows it up and he says, And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. He says, you go after the fruits. Go after the fruits. Go after the good stuff. Go after the things that are of God. Go after those and stay away from earthly things. That's where your treasures are going to be. Stay away from the things of Satan. And keep your eyes focused on the things of God. Where is your treasure being stored this morning? Where is your treasure this morning? In a jar in your backyard? In a mattress? In the bank? Invested in cars or trucks or what is it? Where, where's it at? Where's your treasure? Or is your treasure stored up in heaven? Is that where your treasures are? You're doing God's work down here. You're, hand, you're his hands and feet. You're, you're going and you're doing for others in Jesus' name. You're building up your treasures for him. That's where it ought to be. That's where it's supposed to be. Keep your eyes focused on him. Do you have more earthly toys and possessions than you have spiritual, eternal, heavenward treasures? Think about it. Think about your treasures, what they are and where they are. And then in the right spot.
Where your heart is, that is where your treasure will be. Where your heart is, that is where your treasure will be. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Remember, what you're looking at is what you're thinking about. Where's your eyes at? What are you focused on? Stand with me this evening. We're going to close out. What are you focused on? Something shiny? Squirrels? We, we look at things like that. Things catch our eyes nowadays. They make bigger and better. My phone was messing up the other day, and I was getting mad. Couldn't call out, couldn't answer, couldn't text, couldn't do anything with it. I was getting frustrated. So what do I do? I start looking for a bigger and better phone. Now, if I get much bigger, I'm going to be carrying that tablet around with me. But that's what we do. We, we look for bigger and better things. And I felt guilty for it, honestly. We look for nicer things. We look for better things. What does my neighbor have? What does my family have? Can I get bigger or better? I remember growing up, my dad and my cousin's husband always bought trucks at about the same time. Dad was, was really getting heavy and big into farming and he started out with a half ton, and I don't know how many transmissions he lost coming up Wilkes Mountain. And he had to get, jump it up to a three-quarter ton and then a ton. But every time my dad would buy a truck or trade his truck, my cousin's husband, within two weeks, would have one identical to his. It, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Coles, I guess. But he would always, do, guaranteed two to three weeks, he would always have another vehicle, just like my dad's. Something nicer, something newer trying to keep up with them. That's, that's the way we do it a lot of times. Somebody else has something nice. I can outdo them. See, your eyes are focused on the wrong thing. Your eyes are focused on earthly things. And he's saying, take your eyes off of the earthly things and keep your eyes focused on the godly things. Keep your eyes upon the hill. Keep your eyes looking towards Jerusalem. Keep your eyes looking up and off of the earthly things. And if your eyes are focused on godly things that's what your heart is focused on keep that in mind and remember in the morning before you roll out of bed where, you, where your thoughts ought to be where you, where's your heart at in the mornings is it full of joy and happiness godliness all the things that, that Paul told Timothy about is that, is that what your heart is full of is that what's on your mind in the morning when you get up or is it on coffee? Or is it on the day? When you get up in the morning, make sure your heart is focused on God and see what happens throughout the remainder of the day. You, when you get out of bed and you're thinking about heaven, it's going to be a good day. That's a good thing to keep your mind on, ain't it? It's going to be a good day. Jonathan, would you mind to dismiss us, please?
Amen. All right, thank y'all. We'll see.